Welcome to episode 195 of Respawning Fire, the kick-ass irreverent gaming podcast from Affable Idiots, a podcast that really needs to figure out what we're going to do for the 200th episode. I'm Holden Depardo, and I'm here with... Number 200 himself. Hi, I'm the 200th person in my lineage, starting all the way at Adam, ending at me. (laughs) (laughs) Chad Michael Linus. We've got the dreamiest fan base of all time joining us from across the world right now, which you can do also by listening to us on uh, Sunday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Twitch. Or, if you can't catch us live, every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern will be available on YouTube and podcast services. We are talking this week about pretty much every major franchise in existence related to, like, video games or just movies kind of E.T. nerd culture if you will it's crazy Rooney we're Tunes. talking Indiana Jones <laughs> Harry Potter <laughs> Uncharted Last of Us Mass Effect fan, fall, fall, I almost said Fallout Fantasy I don't know why we're not talking about Fallout Final Fantasy Mario Pokemon Resident Evil Cyberpunk and of course the biggest story of the week Star Wars which is now no longer exclusive to EA for video games let's jump into that oh let's jump into it both so, feet first and then the shins, and then our knees. And then we're going to be bent over like a diver, so after our knees will come our hands, and then our (laughs) forearms and our thighs will hit simultaneously, and then so will all of our giblets and our body and our head. Holden, Star Wars. Yes. (laughs) I don't know what to say that. Other than Star Wars comes to be, uh, games to be rebranded under Lucasfilm's games banner, says Joe Screbbles at IGN. The official kind of quick little blurb, it just says Lucasfilm's is now the official identity for all gaming titles from Lucasfilm, a name that encompasses the company's rich catalog of video games and its eye toward the future. Part of this is that Ubisoft, um, other other headline here, Ubisoft announces new Star Wars game developed by Massive Entertainment, says Michael McWhorter at Polygon. So this new uh, Ubisoft Star Wars game is going to be a story-driven open-world adventure, and like I said, it's developed by Massive Entertainment, who made Division 2, as well as the upcoming Avatar game. Yves Guimau, the CEO of Ubisoft, says it's the beginning of a long-term collaboration with Disney and Lucasfilm games. But EA's not missing out. They're still going to make games. They said that we're proud of our long-standing collaboration with Lucasfilm's games, which will continue for years to come. Our talented teams have created some of the most successful games in history of the Star Wars franchise, including Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, Star Wars Battlefront, not the second one, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, and Star Wars Squadrons. They just said Battlefront. They didn't say two. Gotcha. Probably because they wanted to avoid the the microtransaction debacle. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, also it encompasses both games, but I just had to throw that in there. Um, Got it. Got it, Jeb. Got it. Jab them. Uh, we love Star Wars and look forward to creating more exciting experiences for players to enjoy. Finishes EA's official statement. Uh, before we jump into kind of the other kind of smaller story here, um, I think that I think it's related to this. What are your thoughts on this, Chad? I'm a very happy boy. I think everyone in the world has been. <laughs> um, I'm going to say less than ecstatic at EA's track record with Star Wars games the last 10 years. It's a very diplomatic way of putting it. Yes. 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 (laughs) Uh, They've had quite a few stumbles, very few peaks in their tenure with Star Wars. And I'm I'm happy to see this go into other people's hands. Um, EA has a lot of really talented people at it. However... There's so much more that people can do with like Ubisoft announcing that they have now an entry in this franchise, an open world entry in the Star Wars franchise is going to be really exciting. I'm excited to see yeah. just you know who else out there is going to get a piece of that Star Wars pie because like 
Marvel, mm -hmm. it, it really could go anywhere. Like we could have exclusive games similar to what Spider-Man did with um, Sony and PlayStation. Mm -hmm. We could have uh, really huge blockbuster MMORPGs like the Avengers game did from Crystal Dynamics. Like it's there are so many opportunities now out there other than EA's trash models um, that are just ripe for the picking, and I'm so excited. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with everything that that you said because I feel like I feel like uh, something I've kind of seen is people saying, "Oh man, EA fucked it up so bad this happened." And I'm like, I don't necessarily think that's what happened because none of their games were necessarily bad. There's just some sort of like controversy around it that really brought down I think Star Wars as a brand in the video game sphere, and I think it's less about Disney saying you fucked up EA and more about them saying let's not put all of our eggs in one basket because <laughs> that's yeah. not necessarily a good I idea here. Also, it's just exciting as you were kind of saying to see to to have that future potential that Star Wars games can kind of be more than just one company's vision. Even if they're making good games, like I want to see experimentation, I want to see what kind of unique tales can be told and that's really, really exciting going forward. Also means we can get multiple Star Wars games a year now. Like, there's just so much. It's really, really exciting. Absolutely. Um, I, I'm very curious what Ubisoft is going to do with the Star Wars game. I also find it interesting. I I find it interesting the term "open world" is being used in this because, like, yeah, it's I I get what they're saying, but it is going to be different planets and kind of different segmented open worlds. And I'm curious how like that gets handled. Um, so it's gonna be kind of like like kind of like Witcher Three has like regions yeah. you can explore freely in those regions. I think it's gonna be more like that. But I'm kind of curious, um, what kind of towers you'll be climbing in Star Wars uh, <laughs> Ubisoft games, and what you'll be jumping into of after to you get to. off the top of the tower. Yeah. The other funny thing I think I've heard this week is, um, oh, so we're gonna get Far Cry Star Wars, and I think the person <laughs> said that it was it was being facetious, but I'm like, I don't think Disney's gonna allow Star Wars to get that, you know. Uh, We'll say either political or that um, we'll say uh, mature. I don't think we're going to get mature rated Star Wars games. You know what I think is going to be an interesting hurdle with not just opening it up to open world and other genres, but to so many other companies. The fact that, that mm -hmm. Disney has stated now that all games and any property coming forward is now canon. How do you yeah. handle an open world game where maybe you're playing as a Jedi, maybe you're playing as a good person and then in typical open world fashion, you can kill anyone. Like, oh, Jedi's now just murder innocent people all over the place, and that's suddenly canon. Or like, how do you keep tabs on all of those side stories, all of those side quests, and across all of these different companies and still allow them the freedom to develop a game that they want to make? Yeah, I think that's a good a good question. I would imagine and again, we'll we'll find out in a few years because this isn't gonna happen anytime soon. But I, I imagine that it's just going to be the lore is consistent at least. So like you can't have the emperor show up randomly in a game that takes place, you know, in the old Republic times, like centuries before uh, Senator Palpatine even or Chancellor Palpatine even showed up. Like, I think it's just going to be things like that because yeah, like there, there, there's going to have to be flexibility on that. Um, it's the nature of video games. It's just how it's going to be. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious for, for that too. On a similar note, Machine Games is making an Indiana Jones game, which is related because that's also Lucasfilms, technically. Right. Um, you are more of a Machine Games fan than I am. We'll jump back into Star Wars for a second. I just wanted to touch on this really quickly. You're more of a Machine Games fan than I am. So I feel like this is kind of more like you will have a better idea of what this means. I think Machine, so machine Games is the the most recent 
Wolfenstein games, New Colossus, all that kind of stuff, uh, has been made by Machine Games, uh, which are some of my favorite games of last generation. And I think some of the best first-person shooter, like especially Wolfenstein 2, the, some of the best first-person shooter narrative storytelling and like character development in a game that I've seen, which is great. Um, so to, to see that they are tackling Indiana Jones, I think, is a, an interesting type of challenge for them. One, because... Basically, everything they've done so far has been first person. So to see them have to do a third person kind of action adventure game in the style of mm-hmm. what we're assuming is in the style of Uncharted, because Uncharted is in the style of Indiana Jones. Uh, all we've seen actually from this is a teaser of just like going over a table with some maps and typical Indiana Jones things and then a hat and a whip. But I think it would be kind of weird to do first person whip based combat or traversal. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's going to yeah. be interesting to see their first kind of take at third-person action adventure unless it's some kind of card game but i'm excited this also opens up the opportunity for since machine games is a developer under the bethesda softworks label um which is now owned by mike well almost owned by microsoft it could be their answer to uncharted it could be their first party exclusive action adventure indie type game i hadn't thought about that yeah so this could be that's a really good point this could be their uncharted so that's a that's a cool opportunity obviously we know very very little about this game other than who's making it and what property it is Mm -hmm. that's basically all we know yeah and that's a really good call out because tomb raider the most recent version of that was kind of slightly co-opted by microsoft to kind of be their version of uncharted it wasn't obviously nearly as successful or acclaimed as the uncharted series was Machine games, from what I understand of their games, has that hecticness that I think would play in well for better matching that kind of style of of Uncharted game. Um, Just whipping yeah, that's snakes a really, good call really hectically. Whipping snakes. snakes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it also just goes, depending it back into Star Wars again, it just shows that Disney is allowing their properties to be more freely used in the video game industry, which is exciting to see. And in terms of that free use of, of in this case, Indiana Jones, but also in Star Wars... Who else do we want to see make Star Wars games? Now, this is this is never going to happen. I feel like we're going to have the same answer here. I don't think we are at all. I feel like we're going to have the exact same I answer. I don't think we are at all because <laughs> okay. this is a studio that no longer exists and a part of Star Wars <laughs> that I think will never happen. Um, but Visceral Games, who made Dead Space. Exactly the same answer I was going to have. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> um, I, I would love to see a Dead Space, like a horror style project ragtag oh horror style yeah, okay horror never mind. style maybe in like this droid graveyard in space and like it's it it is exactly dead space but Ooh. reskin the xenomorphs not the xenomorphs what are they called? nectomorphs necromorph necromorphs reskin the necromorphs with like old discontinued droids that are like frankenstein together and maybe they're the old knights of ren or whatever are down there too and uh, you know all of these like horrific amalgamations of shit together and make it a horror thing. I don't know. There's scary things in Star Wars, right? A bunch of clones of Palpatine. Yeah, a bunch of clones of Palpatine down there. Yeah, yeah. I want some kind of horror, visceral games, dead space, Star Wars adventure. Who was the studio that was going to be making Project Ragtag? Wasn't that visceral? That was... uh, Amy Hennig's game is what I'm referring to. Yeah, actually, that was visceral, wasn't it? Yeah, so that's, that's why I'm thinking, like, oh, we are on the same page. And you're like, horror. I'm like, not on the same page, but I love your <laughs> idea. <laughs> we were so close and then just veered off in very different directions. Um, yeah, that would be really cool. I'd like to see, like, a really dark uh, Star Wars game like that. 
I would love that. Is Disney going to allow that to happen and like have a was what was the um the trailer at, at the Game Awards that just came out? Uh, Project Calypso, oh, Calypso uh, or Callisto, Project Callisto, and then they Callisto, had the red version, yeah. the red band trailer, where like <laughs> the fucking shit's coming out of his eyeballs. Oh god, Ugh. I would love if that was a Star Wars game. I mean, that's obviously <laughs> different, a little bit different, but like, I'd love if that's a Star Wars game. That'd that's be awesome. The monster but like, yeah, in the Disney. garbage compactor. Well, yeah. wait a second though. Wait a second though. They're making Deadpool R-rated still, and it's going to be part of the MCU. You're right. Maybe Disney will be flexible. Who knows? Because they're releasing a bunch of these Star Wars games. It's not like it's going to be just that. Mm, okay. Wishful Here's thinking. what I also want. I want a Dream Daddy dating simulator type thing where you get to <laughs> fuck your way across the galaxy with lots of different types of, of women and creatures. <laughs> Leisure Suit Larry, but it's like a Mandalorian instead or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> or Han Solo. Yeah. And Carl Han Solo Weathers is like your, your wingman. <laughs> but it's not Carl Weathers in Mandalorian. It's just Carl it's Weathers, the actor. Now that Mando's not dragged down by having Baby Yoda with him all the time, he can go out and kind of be more of a bachelor. Yep. <laughs> that's that's what it's about. Yeah. <laughs> now that the kids are gone. <laughs> that's what I want. That would be hilarious. That'd be absolutely hilarious. I think that the um visceral dead space game is more likely than that one. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, going back to the visceral. I would love to see, uh, and I also think this would be impossible. Probably not going to happen. I would love to see Amy Hennig's vision for Star Wars finally come to fruition, or at least have her return and and see where she's at, where, where her thoughts have evolved to that, where or something did she like that. Or even just that style of action, of adventure game. Yeah. What was that? Where did she end up again? Not making Star Wars games. I don't know where she ended up. Actually, she's no longer with EA. That poor woman. Yeah. She has been knocked around this industry. Find out. Yeah, I think more than anything, I want to see a like. Do you remember some um, Star Wars thirteen thirteen? Uh huh. There, yeah. Like I kind of want to see something in that kind of style where it's single player, very linear, but it has these kind of huge action set pieces. I really want to see something like that in Star Wars. Last, not last Jedi. Um, um, Jedi Fallen Order was. I think people were kind of expecting, oh, it's a single-player story. We're going to see these kind of set-piece moments, and that's not what it was. That's fine. That's not a criticism of the game. Um, it wasn't like that. It was a different style single-player game. I want to see that style single-player Star Wars game where it's huge, like crazy, like you're in a ship that's tumbling or something like that, and you got to you find a way to get out of it. and like Something like the boat sequence in Uncharted 3. Or oh, the yeah, the cruise ship. Uncharted 2. God, what a freaking great sequence. Yeah. But then in like a space station for Star Wars, like things like that. Like, I want to see moments like that as Star Wars. Excuse me, God, that would do be. Do I want to play through all the Uncharted amazing. games again? Yes. <laughs> I got a platinum all on <laughs> PS4. Oh. All right, I'm on Amy Hennig's Wikipedia page. Let's see what she is doing now. She joined Sundance Media in November 2019 to start a new division there for story-focused experiences that will employ state-of-the-art computer graphics to provide the visual fidelity of television and film, both an active, lean-in experience that puts the audience in the driver's seat. Mm. That's really vague. That sounds like she's but making she's basically VR making experiences, VR movies and TV. A lean-in experience, move your head around, yeah. <laughs> Made for Oculus Go. It's not a game. It's just a visual thing. You get to Made move Made for around. the discontinued Oculus Go. You can't buy it now, yeah, exactly. but if you have it from a few years ago, you can sideload this onto it. something really special for you. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, so I think we're both excited for this then. I can't imagine anyone not being excited for Star Wars expanding. That'd be a that'd be an interesting conversation to have. Someone who's like, no, EA should keep it. It's theirs. <laughs> I can see people who are saying they... who who will defend their games. I don't know if there's anyone out there who will say they should maintain sole ownership over Star Wars games, though. Yeah. Speaking of studios that I think would make a good Star Wars game, Chad, we both played Titanfall two we this week. You know what's funny is that <laughs> when you when I first read that question in the notes, I was like, you know what I would love to see? I would love to see like Respawn make a Star Wars game. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck, that's right. They too, made yeah. one. It's Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. <laughs> but I want them to really make one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I want to see Titanfall, but it's... Star Wars and takes place during the Clone Wars or something like that. Because That'd be dope. what I was thinking was, oh, what if they took the Titanfall mechanics and you're like a bounty hunter and you can you have your jetpack and shit like that? I was like, oh yeah, that'd be fucking great. And it was like, oh yeah, they made a Star Wars game, and I didn't like it. It was nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you wanted to return to Titanfall two this week. I did. Tyler, was it, was I it did. worth it? Uh, I was not good at it. I remember being a lot better. No, I was it last year when we were playing, or <laughs> yeah, I guess it was like a year and a half ago when we played it for the first time and we were really into it for like six weeks uh but i wanted to bring it back because i remember us having a lot of fun you know you have the option for eight people on a team and we've recently discovered in the last couple of months that like doing private matches with everyone who signs on is is sometimes a yep. lot more fun than actually getting our asses kicked online so we did a private match Absolutely. we did like four versus three and it was uh it was a good time it was a good time we should do a little bit more of that i like branching out like Warzone is a nice staple to come back to every once in a while but but um, I think we've got some cool things that we can branch out into and returning some old Yeah, favorites. I wouldn't mind going back to it again this week either, actually. It's a really fantastic game. It, it Every time I play it, it amazes me that game wasn't more popular when it came out. Yeah. It is such Especially a Especially the single player. Multiplayer Ugh, single player campaign. Yeah, so single player campaign is amazing. Um. Yeah, I, I'm I'm I love that game so much. And it's I think what works for me in that game is I'm always at the bottom of the charts when we're doing anything online shooter. I'm just not great at online shooters. But when I have grunts to kill, I at least feel like I have a chance. And even yeah. even then there were some times where I'm like, that grunt almost killed me. I don't say anything, Holden. That would have been embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, it's just it's just such a cool game. How did no one play this and then played Call of Duty again? Yeah. It's amazing. It's yeah. it's so baffling to me. Yeah, you played another shooter though that you like more than I did. Titanfall. I by another like, shooter. By we like spent another lot. six hours in a raid this Saturday, and uh, we're gonna <laughs> play some more tomorrow night in it as well. We did not expect this really. We so last week we beat the Deep Stone Crypt raid, which is the new raid in Destiny Two, and uh, Jerica's partner Audrey uh, wasn't able to join us last time, but. Jericho's like, hey, I've got two people who we're looking to do the raid if anyone else wants to join us this weekend. And we're like, fuck, yeah, we want to join you. But there's a weapon that you need called Divinity to really do, like, to really successfully complete the last boss battle. And the person who has Divinity, Kyle St. James, if no one knew, he has Divinity. It's a gun. He has it. He's the only one. Uh, he was not available on Saturday. And we were like, F. Well, if he's not available... We shouldn't do this raid. We should do Garden of Salvation so that we can get Divinity, and then we no longer are tied to Kyle St. James for success for the rest of our lives. Um, so we kind of last minute decided we were going to do this, and we looked up videos of how to complete it, and it's, it is hard as fuck, Holden. It has some like really like not fun mechanics. So it's a raid. 
It's so it's a raid. <laughs> it's a raid. Yeah, it's hard as fuck. <laughs> but even like, but the mechanics of this one, there's a lot of like tethering from control points all the way to a door, and you got to connect people or tethering to a um, a conduit pole and things like that to give you a buff. And it's, whew, we were beating our heads against these challenges for quite a while. And what's what's the most frustrating of all is that to get this weapon, not only do you have to beat the raid. But you also have to complete all of these like hidden puzzles in the raid as well, and we missed one. Oh, and, no. But it doesn't matter because we have to beat it again. And we're gonna so raids save. They have little checkpoints. So we're we're on the last two encounters. We're pretty confident we can get the third one, and then the boss is gonna be a shit show. But we're on the last two encounters, and you can all the way up until Tuesday. Every Tuesday, progress resets. So we have until Tuesday to finish this raid. <clears throat> but it doesn't matter because to get this gun, you have to beat the raid all in one sitting. Or at least have <laughs> someone in the raid at all times that you can rejoin back on them. So whew, we're going to beat it. <laughs> does, do, does Bungie just sit there and go, hmm, we had this working, but how can we make it more frustrating and tedious? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely had... I definitely had more fun with the mechanics of Deep Stone Crypt and the Leviathan than I did with this raid. Um, but I still have a ton. It's, it is so much fun while also like the game being frustrating, but also being really into doing this with a group of people and, and everyone contributing and everyone failing and everyone succeeding. And it's really cool to be in there with these people. We had Joel join us who was only on Xbox and they were like, hey, you don't need... Beyond like you don't need to buy the expansion on PlayStation to play this, and he comes over. We get there, we're ready. He he signs online. We're like, oh fuck, you need Shadow Keep, and he's like, oh, how much is Shadow Keep? <laughs> <laughs> so he bought, he paid twenty five bucks to get Shadow Keep on the spot, and he's like, now that I've bought this, you best bet your ass we're running this raid multiple times. I'm gonna get this fucking gun with your help. <laughs> Uh, Audrey had to do the same thing. Apparently, she had to buy Shadowkeep as well in order to do it. But she was she was into it as well. But it was a really fun time getting to play with Audrey. You know, I've, I've only the only thing I know about Audrey or know of her was anything that I've heard on JK Games with Jerrica uh, and um, Kayla. I blanked on her name for a second. Everyone should go listen to their podcast. It's dope. So we had a good time. We're gonna go back to it. We're gonna hopefully beat it tomorrow night. Maybe. If not, we're definitely going to have to do the raid over again. But it's one of those things that once you've like failed for three hours on one segment and then you finally beat it, you're like, if we have the same group of six people again, we could easily knock that from three hours down to like 20 minutes. So hopefully round two of this will be less than 10 hours. We'll see. <laughs> you're up, Holden. It's Im your dedication to that game. is those. I should say those raids specifically is impressive. Siri, shut up. I didn't talk to you. Stop. Eat it. I'm even wearing my Destiny 2 Moments of Triumph shirt. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> it's got my name on it. I almost it. wore my Animal Crossing shirt, but I didn't this week. I hope it's just the fan art that you drew for our wallpapers. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's not. It's um, it's like one of those Target shirts, and it just says Deserted Island Getaway, and it shows all the, it shows Tom Nook and his two kids. Gotcha. It's... It's adorable. It's pretty awesome. Uh, Chad, this week was the biggest week in my Animal Crossing New Horizons what? experience. Ooh. Like, hands down, biggest one. So here's the thing. Let me just preface with, I was going to make a video this week touring my island. Right. And then I had this just huge epiphany of something. And I have to 
realize that before I make this video because it's huge. Okay. And so it's you're awesome, making changes to your island. So, okay. Yes. The dream code is still up. So I actually should pin it to my Twitter account. So you can go to my island right now and see what it was like the last time I updated the, the dream address, which I'm happy with that island. It looks really good. But here's the thing. Here's the, here's the journey that happened. I was thinking, okay, I want to start customizing this island and really making it more my own. I want to change the flag, stuff the default flag, and, and this is here we go here, I want to change the music of the island so that it's not just the default island music. But I'm like, here's the thing, I'm not a musician. I'm just going to have to like find someone who made a really good theme online, look at their screenshot of their music sheet, and then bring it in. And I'm like, that's not what I want to do. And I'm like, well, there's this guy in the game named K.K. Slider, and he makes... A song in any possible genre that you can think of. There's like a very cute Animal Crossing version of it made by K.K. Slider. Well, this is what I did. I started to put speakers all around my town so that each area of my town had a unique theme all of its own. So I would like oh. hide speakers like behind every building and I would I would stack them so that they were hidden in some way. But if you look closely, you can still kind of see the speakers there. And like you can go... So like for example... Where my house is, um, I have a lot of bamboo. It has kind of more of an Eastern theme to it. So I found a KK song that fits that theme. And now when you go there, it has a different feel than the other parts of the island. I think in huge part because of the music. That's dope. And then here's the other, th and then here's the other thing I discovered that was just like, oh my god, this is a game changer. How did I not do this before? It's a website called Nookazon, and it's exactly what it sounds like. People post. Items are things they want to sell or things that they want, and you trade and barter to get those things. And I went through and looked at every single posting that was, or at least every single item that was on that site, and I discovered so many items that I'd never heard of before, like tons of them, including incognito speakers that play music, like bamboo speakers that just look like pieces of bamboo, or a cherry speaker that looks like a cherry on the ground, or a shell, and I'm like... <gasps> Oh my God, this changes everything. I'm going to make shell speakers so that whenever you're on a beach, it's going to have the Aloha, like KK Aloha song like playing. And I'm, I've gone nuts with it. I, it's going to be more challenging than I thought because they don't have cherries on my island. And I need to get cherries on my island, then grow the cherries and then get enough <laughs> cherries to make enough speakers to put in certain parts of the island. I need to find conch shells because you can only make the, um, the shell speakers with the conch shell, and then I need to get enough of them so they're layered across the entire beach, which is basically 75% of the exterior or uh, the perimeter of my island. So, like, it's a lot of work, but I'm like, this is going to be so worth it. I am so crazy pumped. Now, for right, that, I'm not going to wait until all of that's done because that's going to take too long. Right now, I'm just waiting for, before I make the videos, just getting the cherry trees, trees in place so I don't have like patches of the island that are just barren because. There are no cherry trees there because I cut all my apple trees down. Yeah. Um, but I am having such a blast with it, and I've never felt happier with my island before. It's like this totally changed how I approach the island. I've been watching a lot of videos online, too, of tours of other people's island. And I was talking about that, too, last week. And this is the first time where I'm like, I feel like my island actually, like, keeps up. It's not the same thing because I, I don't think that my island is as dense as theirs like i tend to have like a bigger shopping area whereas i feel like a lot of people that i've seen the, the tours for have like a nice walkway that leads to the store whereas i have like a like a specific like cut off area for shopping um either way i am like crazy happy with where it's going right now i even have my secret hidden area 
better hidden than it was before. <laughs> and, but I did, Um, I actually, uh, should I say it? Yeah, I'm just going to say it. So I put, in the part that you can see that campsite, the hidden campsite, I put a paper lantern with, with the customized design of like the winter design for it. And then to the path to that, the secret entrance, I have those same exact paper lanterns with the same design, like leading up to it. So you can kind of like piece it together and like figure it out. So it's kind of like thinking like little touches like that through my island. I'm just so happy and excited right now. Um, and then Nukazan is just going back to that for a second because this is actually there's more to say about that. Nukazan such a cool thing that really makes me appreciate the Animal Crossing community because you can your example is you can rate people based on your experience trading with them. I haven't come across anybody who has less than five stars because I just think everyone's <laughs> been so nice to each other. It is like the sweetest awesome. thing ever. Everyone's awesome. So like, here's an example where um, in my town I'm only able to get green street lamps, but based on this area in my town where I'm um, putting the street lamps, I'm incorporating a street lamp in the town hall. But the street lamp in the town hall is set in stone. You can't change it, and it's a black street lamp, whereas the other ones are green. And it's a little – it's bugging me. So I want to get black street lamps. So I went to Nukazan. I found them. Um, they are really expensive to get in Nukazan, so I was not able to get a lot of them. But the person who came over accidentally gave me a brown one. And I just kind of messaged her, and I'm like, hey, I don't want to have like a knee-jerk reaction or like, leave like a sour review or something like that. But just wanted to let you know like this happened. She's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I had so many like street lamps. I must have picked up the wrong one. And then we just exchanged Dodo codes again to go back to the island. We did the exchange. And like it was just like this like... I feel like if that happened on Twitter, it would have been like, fuck you, I didn't give you a brown street lamp, you're lying to me. <laughs> but at Amazon, it's like, oh no, we need to work on this together. <laughs> it was just like part of that like really positive like Animal Crossing um, kind of community. And so yeah, like this week, I just feel like I had an even bigger appreciation for this game that I already absolutely adored and loved. And it is also now, I'm going to end here, it is now officially my most played game on Switch. It has surpassed Whoa. Breath of the Wild for the most amount of hours on there. It's because Breath um, of the Wild yeah. sucks. <laughs> Breath of the Wild is now a terrible game. Because if you're not first, you're last. That's and that's right. just like a sound philosophy from the great piece of literature, Talladega Nights' Ricky Bobby story. And with that, we're going to move on to Sony, because Sony <laughs> Pictures made Ricky Bobby, Talladega Nights. That's Sony Pictures, I think. Fuck sure. it, it is. <laughs> it is. For the sake of that awesome segue, it is. So moving on to the Sony Quest log, Sony gives a release window for Project Athea and other PS5 games, says Zach Zweizen? Zweizen. Okay. Zweizen. I'm from Kutaku. Gotcha. Um, so during Sony's CES presentation, which of course was digital only, uh, there was a few seconds where on the bottom, or not the bottom, like the middle of the screen, they just listed out a bunch of uh, release dates for other games, release windows for other games they hadn't talked about yet. Um, they have changed them, <laughs> gone back and, and took them out. We'll talk about that very quickly, or in a, in a, little, a little bit. Just to kind of list out some of these. So we knew about Returnal, which is uh, March 19th, 2021. Pragmata is 2023. It's amazing they even have a release window for that if right? it's that far out, but okay. Solar Ash is going to be coming out this June. Kina, Bridge of Spirits, March this year. Stray and Ghostwire Tokyo are October 2021. Stray's that cat game, Little right? Devil Where you play yeah, the Stray's cat. the cat game, which I'm, I'm intrigued by that one. I don't really know what it is, but it looks intriguing. Little Devil Inside is July 2021. Project Athea, January 2022. Hitman 3, obviously January 2021. Like It's like next week. 
um, Horizon Forbidden West 2021 and Ratchet and Clank 2021. Now, like I said, they have gone back and changed that so that it doesn't show all those. Now it just shows Ratchet and Clank, Horizon Forbidden West, and Returnal. They're so silly. Like, why even remove it? You know the internet has it and remembers yeah. forever. So like, why even go back and bother exactly. removing it? It's also really consistent because this happened last year with Demon's Souls. It happened with that French trailer that said that um, Grand Turismo is coming out in the first half of 2021 and uh, Horizon's in the last half and, you know, Ration Clicks. The f- What's going on with their marketing department? Because it's global now. Right. It, it's, it's not all, like, oh, that's not. Just- yeah, it's not a European marketing and then a U.S. marketing. Mm-hmm. It's all one, one team, one dream. Yeah. So what happened there? Um, the other thing is there was a lot of talk that like Final Fantasy 16 might be coming out this year, and I think this basically just confirms it's not. Oh, yeah, if it's not mentioned in this list of things. If it's not leaked by yeah. Sony and or Walmart Canada, then it's not coming. <laughs> <laughs> but like they have Pragmata for 2023, and they show another Square Enix game, which is, um, blah, 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 what was it, Project Athea for 2022. Didn't mention Final Fantasy, so it might be farther off than we think. Maybe that will come out on PS6 and they'll like revamp it for the next generation, next next generation. Who knows at this point? But yeah, I thought that was interesting. It's just like they keep their marketing needs to get it together. Yep. I'm excited. And also though. amazing that Hitman like, Three Kena, is coming in January coming in March is like that's that's like two months yeah. away. That's awesome. Yeah, that's not far at all. Yeah, it makes me wonder how close is Ratchet and Clank really? I need to know. I need to know. Okay, Nintendo Quest Log. This is. This is awesome. This is awesome. <laughs> so we have two videos from Nintendo this week. The first is just a standard two-minute trailer, a bigger, badder Bowser, Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. They released it on their channel. It was great. It was awesome. And then after that, they released another video called Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury Overview Trailer, which is kind of more what you'd seen in a Nintendo Direct of like a seven-minute breakdown of like, this is what you're going to get in the game. Um, in terms of new stuff... Super Mario 3D World is going to have online multiplayer with up to four players. It was yes. local player before in the Wii U. I don't think it had online then, um, but it does now, and it's up to four players. That's going to be awesome, and considering how much fun we've had with Sackboy, I think this would be fun too. Four-player online. They also have a snapshot mode, which also looks kind of cool. I don't do snapshot modes. I don't do like photo modes in general, but this one looks like a good version of it, so I'm excited about that. But that's not what we're here to talk about, Chad. We're here to talk about We're Bowser's, here Bowser's Furry. Furry. <laughs> I, I am so excited about this. I'm just going to run through everything we know about the game, then we can talk about it. So it seems like Bowser's Fury is going to be a blend of the, kind of the more focused levels of 3D World, which harkens back to just standard 2D Mario levels, but in a 3D context, and the open environments of Mario Odyssey. It's like a blend between the two, where you basically have structures in that open environment that are these kind of linear like Mario levels, but it's all part of one open world experience, which is kind of cool. In the middle of this lake, which is called Lake Lapcat, there's a giant Bowser who is being, you know, uh, corroded by some sort of like black goo. Kind of reminds me of Super Mario Sunshine. Like and he'll awaken in the middle of the map with with a fury. And he can only be battled by getting at the Gigabell, which is a giant cat suit upgrade called Giga Mario, uh, Giga Cat Mario. Now I think I actually mentioned it earlier. Um, once he's once um, Bowser or Fury Bowser has been awakened, you can try to avoid him if you don't have the Gigabell. 
But if you have the Gigabell, then you can actually like, fight him. And if you do fight him, then you'll open up another island in that lake to go to, which has more levels on it. So it's not just one like kind of big level. It seems like it's... It feels like it's like half of a Mario game. It's like a full Mario game, but it's like it seems like it's like half. That's spe- kind of speculation on my part. But it felt like there's this big lake, and you can kind of see like different worlds, if you will, where they're probably just islands attached to that lake. And you can even see it pretty clearly in the trailer by comparing the different cat towers that they have. Um, in the game, you're going to have co-op with Bowser Jr. and, of course, Mario. Um, in single player, Bowser Jr. will just basically mimic all of Mario's moves and follow him around. And we kind of you see that in the trailer as well. They don't outright say in the trailer, but you can clearly see it in the trailer. And then um, during the game, you're going to be basically getting these... Um, uh, they're called cat shines, I think is what they said. And yeah, cat shines. And those are basically kind of be like your... Um, like your the shines you would get in Super, uh, Super Mario Odyssey. It's very similar to that. Was Bowser so Jr. part of I think, the original game on Wii U? Or is that new for the Switch? I don't remember if he is or not. I know that there was a new villain or new like villain type in like the bunnies in Mario Odyssey was yeah. a new villain type. I think there was like a new like villain type in in 3D World, but I can't remember. I played it so long ago back on the Wii U. How does wait? A oh, Bowser's Fury is where Bowser Jr. pops up. Just kidding. I was thinking. Bowser Jr. was part of 3D World, but he's not. He's part of Bowser's, or, or yeah, Bowser's Fury. Yeah, he's a Bowser's Fury, but I don't. He might be in 3D World as like a a, a oh. boss at some point, and oh, I gotcha. wouldn't be surprised. But not as not as a playable character as a AI character. No, no, gotcha. no, not as a playable character. Yeah, uh, I'm ecstatic. I think this looks just fucking awesome. What do you I think? I think about it looks it? dope. It looks like uh, it reminds me of the end of God of War One, where Kratos has to become enormous and fight uh, Ares. At the end, that's what the giant cat Mario fighting Bowser looked like to me. Um, I'm excited for 3D and World because I've never his played family it. as well, so it's very similar to God of <laughs> very War. Very similar, yes. Uh, yeah. I'm excited for 3D World because I never played it, obviously because I didn't have that piece of trash console. Um, so I'm excited to have that on Switch. <laughs> Bowser's Fury looks cool. I have to be 100% honest. I was very much disappointed by how much this game is about cats. <laughs> 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 when I part of part of the turnoff when I saw Bowser's or sorry when I saw Super Mario 3D World on Wii U for the first time is that they they showed the new cat suit they're like oh the cat suit you climb trees and shit and I was like okay cool that's an upgrade like that's that is just like the feather in Mario World that is uh, it is the Tanuki suit it's all of these like it's just a, a one of the power ups but every fucking thing in this game is a cat everything's a cat. There's the the bell that turns you into the big cat as a cat. <laughs> Everything's a cat. And I don't like cats as much as Japan likes cats. So I, if everything about this game is a cat, I don't know how much I'm going to like it. I, I think it's going to be fine. I think it's going to be okay. The cat suit is awesome. The cat suit's really fun. Yeah, but everything's cats. It's not just the cat suit. It's like there are cat Goombas. There are cat Koopas. It's like... I don't want you all to be cats. Just be a fucking Goomba. And then if I want to have a cat suit on, then great. If not, I can just be a regular person and jump on you. So I'm not a cat person. And I, this made me really like there's so much of this trailer was just cats. I didn't realize it was a cat game for cat people. I mean, I'm not a cat person. So I get the distaste of cats. Yeah. I actually really don't like cats at all. I'm just not, not a cat person. 
But this is more Mario, and that out that outranks cats. That's for true. Me. Mario is on the screen a hundred percent of the time. Yeah, but he can also be a cat. So like fifty yeah, percent of the time, yeah, it's yeah, regular yeah, Mario. Yeah. yeah, it's okay. Let's take a moment of silence for too many cats and Bowser's Fury. Too many cats. Too many cats. <laughs> <laughs> I um I wonder how much of this is teasing the future of what Nintendo wants to do next with Mario because I love Super Mario Odyssey. I'll maintain it's my favorite of the 3D Mario games just because I like the open-ended structure of it, but it definitely is lacking in 3D platforming, and that's the best part of Mario games is the 3D platforming. At least for me, it is. So I wonder if this is them trying to find a better balance leaning in favor of 3D platforming with the open-ended structure because the free roaming is also really fun in Odyssey. So I wonder if this is just kind of them trying out something new, and I I hope this is as good as I'm expecting it to be because it looks like a unique Mario experience as opposed to some like hacked together like it, this is like people talk about like oh in Windbaker HD are they going to put a new dungeon in it because you're only five and it's like I'm like I always say like oh I don't know if Nintendo would do something like that because they just want to keep the game like as, as it is or whatever but like this is more than just adding a dungeon to Zelda this is like yeah. literally a different experience altogether they could have expounded upon this and maybe had made it its own game but we also could play it and realize it's only a three hour experience and it's actually not that large who knows yeah. Do we know? So it has a release date. Yeah, it's soon, right? It's like next February, month or February twelfth. February twelfth. Yeah, the week before my birthday. Yeah, then you got you the cats just for your <sighs> birthday. All those cats. <laughs> we also had a rumor that seems pretty likely. Let's be honest. <laughs> rumor report extra extra. Pokemon Diamond and Pearl remakes will be revealed for the Switch next month, says Liam Doolin at Nintendo Life. Allegedly, Diamond and Pearl remakes will be announced on Pokemon Day, February 27th, and will be full remakes, not Let's Go iterations of those games. Um, just want to comment, this is not related to the story from Nintendo Life, but I wanted to bring it up. Arlo on YouTube, who is a YouTuber who looks like Cookie Monster, and he's actually kind of awesome. <laughs> believes they will be called Eternal Diamond and Boundless Pearl. And I think those are really good guesses because they did like Alpha, um, Sapphire, Omega, Ruby, yeah. Fire um, uh, fire Red, uh, Leaf Green, and then um, what was a Heart Gold, Soul Silver. Like they've done that with each of those remakes. So they probably have some sort of extra um, prefix to them. And I think Eternal Diamond and Boundless Pearl sounds like reasonable guesses to me. Um, here's the ultimate question though, Chad. After Sword and Shield, do you care? This is the first generation of Pokemon that I literally gave zero fucks about. Yep, same here. Did not yeah. care about Diamond or Pearl at all. Stopped following Pokemon completely pretty much at that point. Do you mean you never played the games or that like you played them and then were like, ah, I'm bored with this? I never played them. And when okay, they announced then, them, yeah. I was like, I'm too cool for Pokemon for the next few years. And then I'm going to come back to it with a vengeance. <laughs> I'm a teenager now. I don't play baby games. That's right. <laughs> I don't play baby games, as I literally just got in the mail Pokemon Yellow on Game Boy Color and Pokemon Crystal. <laughs> yeah, and I don't play baby games. I have Pokemon Ash Gray for Game Boy Advance right here as well. So, <laughs> and I play Animal Crossing very regularly. So, like, That's we're right. not afraid to play baby games. For baby games for babies. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, I'm was not a fan of Sun and not Sun and Moon. Well, also not a fan of Sun and Moon. Not a fan of Sword and Shield. Um, Diamond and Pearl, I don't know. Here's the thing I wasn't a fan of. I was not a fan of um, how much people talk. <laughs> I, I really wanted to play the game 
<laughs> and catch monsters and battle monsters. But it was you know, sword and shield. It was just so much needless chatter. And every five steps, it's like they stopped me and said, wait, someone's going to run up to me and talk to me about something I don't care about for an extra 35 seconds. Cool. That conversation's over. Take four more steps. Someone else is coming. And I couldn't play the game. I wanted to play the game. Uh, and if this is a remake of Diamond and Pearl, hopefully they're old enough that like there's not as much bullshit conversation going on. Hopefully the rival is still a piece of shit. I don't know. I didn't play those games, so I don't know if he was a piece of shit or whether he was a nice guy in that one. But it's annoying, your rival being helpful and like giving you shit and healing your Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Like, stop it. Fucking, I need someone yeah, to hate me. It's supposed to be adversarial game. so you can overcome them in the end. That's how stories work. And I, I'm like, curious what that means that it's going to be. Stories. <laughs> I'm curious what it means that it's a full remake, not like Let's Go. Because Let's Go was a remake. I mean, it was 3D Pokemon from the Yellow and uh, from the Yellow series, and it was Pokemon on the map for the first time. And it was, uh, you can literally like run into Pokemon in the sky. So I'm curious what they mm -hmm. mean by it's a remake and not a Let's Go game. I think what they mean is that it's not going to be like you'll be battling Pokemon in the wild. You're going to be that battle experience is going to be the same. You're going to be meeting trainers to battle as opposed to kind of like the more casual experience of like throwing using the Joy-Con to throw a Pokeball. Like it's basically going to just be exactly as Diamond and Pearl was but with the graphics of Sword and Shield, as opposed to how like the Let's Go changed the formula to make it more like Pokemon Go. Hmm. Um, that's what I take from it. We'll see. Um, but yeah, ultimately, like I don't think I'm going to play this either. Like I just think I'm done with Pokemon. And to call back to Arlo, I watched his review this week of Pokemon Sword and Shield. And he said that he didn't play two generations of Pokemon, which is the same as me. And... He said something that I didn't quite like piece together when I was playing it, but as soon as he said it, I'm like, oh, wait, I really do resonate with that, which is if I skip out on two generations of, of, a, of a franchise of any game and I get to this new one and say, oh, wow, this feels exactly like it did two generations ago, it's boring. Yeah. I'm, I'm done with it. Like, it's just not worth, you know, doing. And I've heard Diamond and Pearl are, are really good games in the Pokemon franchise that, you know, should be experienced, but I feel like I, I've seen it. It's the same. It's going to be the same thing. I don't care. I'm done. Yep. I'm just kind I'm of have done to with figure Pokemon. Out whether it's a Pokemon or something else, I'm going to have to figure out how to cut down a tree. I'm going to have to figure out how to float on water. I'm going to have to figure out how to fly between cities. And I'm going to have to catch something that looks like a set of keys. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually, I'm going to have to struggle to fight some people. And that's it. Yeah, they're probably going to be, I don't know, like a random guess here, probably eight gyms and maybe like an elite four or something like that maybe, i don't know maybe it's so hard to predict this franchise um yeah i'm just i think i'm done i think i'm done and like i know that i say this but zelda's one of my favorite franchises but at least when i got to a dungeon it's not like oh this dungeon's gonna be exactly like all the other dungeons i faced in every other zelda game before it Although whereas i feel like when i get to a gym in this game most of the bosses are exactly the same as all the other especially in the 2d games yeah. 
Yeah, in the 2D games, yeah. But, like, you know, if you look at, like, Goma, for example, Goma is different in Ocarina of Time than, than Goma is in Twilight yeah. Princess. You can see the inspirations and where the comparisons are drawn, but it's a different battle. Whereas this is like, okay, here's a fire Pokemon. I know this fire Pokemon looks a little bit different, but I'm just going to pull out a water Pokemon, just like I did in the last bajillion Pokemon battles that I fought against a fire Pokemon, and it's going to work out. It's going to be fine. It's not going to oh, be a problem. A I'm never going to die. Pokemon? There's going to be a challenge. I don't know what's good against fairy Pokemon, but I got this other one that I know is overpowered and doesn't matter. It's going to kill it anyway. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm just not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. If it comes I'm out and they say, hey, we made all these big, huge changes and maybe I'll try it out, but I highly doubt it. So anyway, anyway, let's get into something depressing. Um, let's get into something. Yeah. Too, too much <laughs> negativity. Let's talk about cyberpunk <laughs> in our third party quest log so cd project red on their official twitter account released a post i'm just calling it dear gamers there's no official title for it but it starts dear gamers and it's a video from the ceo of cd project red and i just kind of wrote out an outline of what he said so i'm gonna read through that and then we're gonna talk about the jason schreier article and we're gonna talk about um uh the response jason got to his article from um adam badowski at cd project red so we have a lot to talk about um before we do this, do you want to do this chunk by chunk, like talk about the Dear Gamers video, then Jason Schreier, or do you want to do it all at once? Uh, you don't rehearse this ahead of time, everyone. Yeah, let's do, let's do the video <laughs> first, and then we'll talk about it, because there's, okay. the, yeah. there's a lot of stuff here in the video. Yeah. Okay, so the video starts off with the CEO saying that a founding principle of the company, Seed Project Red, is open communication with gamers, and also to make the best games in the world. He says that because gamers trusted us, we we are sorry because you guys pre-ordered this game because you trusted us and we let you guys down. But don't fault the developers. Don't fault the employees. This was the executives who were making the final call and deciding when this game was going to come out. It was their fault. They were very upfront about that at the very beginning. He then wanted to offer what it looked like on the inside of the studio at the time. So basically says that Cyberpunk is a, is a huge game in scope with interacting mechanics and a large um, city in one just really big city. Sorry, a large story in one really big city. Ambition led them to make an epic PC experience and then um, bring it down to the last gen um, uh, hardware. And oh, I got to fix a typo because it's going to bug me. As advanced <laughs> and then they underestimated the task of porting down um, to much less powerful consoles. The issue is the streaming systems that they uh, were struggling with in last gen hardware and like disk bandwidth, which is kind of in line with a lot of the conversations that we've been having not just with cyberpunk but the difference between the last generation and this generation and it's been saying that like getting the content to start being playable by getting it off the disc and onto the screen that bottleneck on last gen hardware was their biggest obstacle in development testing they said and this has been a very controversial statement didn't reveal all the issues and improvements to the issues they were aware of improved every day they assumed they could get the issues worked out in the zero day uh, in the day zero update and they did they magically did it just kidding the review process <laughs> despite not being perfect they were happy with the pc version at launch they knew they were struggling with consoles which is why those reviews um, codes came out later so they basically were like hey we are so crunched on making this game on time the pc version is good enough send that to reviewers right now and once you feel like the console version is good enough we'll send that code separately and that's kind of why that happened because it was just they were so um last minute on the game essentially um in terms of um, COVID, which of course COVID is coming up, no fault to them. I think that's appropriate to bring up given the year everyone's brought it up. I um, mean, it just made it harder for them to realize the scope of the issues they were facing because communication channels were 
it's just harder to communicate a huge project like this in general, let alone over Zoom calls. In terms of the future, um, the patch um, with bug fixes and glitches, um, a new update will be coming in the next 10 days of the video posting. That's basically the January update they're referring to. And they said another one's coming after that for, for February. Um, and in terms of DLC and next gen, um, their content plans haven't changed, not in terms of time frame, but in terms of the actual content they want to provide. It looks like based on the time frame they showed us that some things might have gotten pushed back. The free DLC patch, uh, free, free DLC updates will be available after the patches come out. And then the next gen version is going to be coming out in the second half of 2021. Um, to close out, um, the CEO said that they are taking the issues very seriously and want to maintain communication. And there are still many plans they are excited to share, but we'll share them when they are ready. Whew, that was a lot. Chad, thoughts? The first thing I want to mention is that I am very grateful that they are talking and consistently yeah. talking. I think uh, mm-hmm. there have been a lot of comparisons, some valid, some not, to of this game to No Man's Sky. Um, mm-hmm. And when you think about No Man's Sky, it launched, people were very disappointed in it, and Sean Murray and the company were silent for months didn't say a word. Mm-hmm. And that was incredibly frustrating as people who bought that game and were let down and felt like they were wronged, lied to. So the fact that they are the only communication was you can get a return if you want to. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. That was the only thing. So the fact that they're talking and detailing plans and apologizing and trying to, to provide a peek behind the curtain as to why this happened the way that it did is encouraging. It's winning back a very small amount of trust from me. Uh, however, this this entire video I feel is is so inconsistent and disingenuous. The from the very beginning saying gamers trusted us, don't fault our team. Our team is not at fault. It's the executives who are at fault. And then within the same breath, a couple like a minute later, they said, "Oh, the QA team wasn't good enough. There, the QA team wasn't thorough enough, and didn't none of these console issues." made their way to us. We didn't know they were there because all of this quality testing didn't show that it was there. And it's like, I'm, I am 100% sure that a large number of these issues showed up (laughs) in quality testing on consoles. And I'm so sure because you chose to delay the console version a week for reviewers. Like you knew it wasn't good enough because you just said, oh, we were confident in the PC version, so we released that to them, and then we waited a week to give them the console version because it wasn't up to snuff yet. So you knew there were problems with the console one. And you're blaming... So they're blaming people, they're saying we didn't know, and then they're saying we did know, and they're saying it's our fault, but here's all the other people who were at fault, really, but I'll take your comment. I'll take your complaints. So I I don't know. <laughs> I, it's completely inconsistent across the board. And what I... They legally, obviously, especially because of the, the the legal trouble that they're in right now, they can't say this. I want them to say, we fucked up. We released something incomplete. We knew it was incomplete. We shouldn't have done it. Because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so confident deep within my soul that they knew that they knew that something was wrong, that they hit it, and that they released it anyway because at least it looked good on PC and they couldn't take the PR hit of, of not releasing it on console at the same time or waiting months to release it on console. Um, but obviously they can't say that. They can't admit that because of all the legal trouble they'll get into if they do. They'll so have to pay that 10% fine, guaranteed, if they said that in that video. 100% guaranteed. they'll get that 10% fine, yep. Yeah. They're, they're going to get it anyway, probably, but... <laughs> What are your thoughts? 
yeah, no, I agree with with a lot of what you're you're saying. Um, the there are parts of it I thought were really good, and I think you're making a good comments too that like it's their messaging is not exactly consistent. But again, like you said, it's it's good that they are talking about it. It is nice to hear them officially talking about this and kind of saying things that we all knew. Because yeah. <laughs> basically what he's kind of saying is is it was overly ambitious to put this on PS4 and Xbox One. It just was. This is not a game that should have been released on those consoles. Because like the reviews coming from the PC builds were, yeah, this is more buggy than most open world games of this scope coming out. It just is more buggy than those games. But it wasn't until the, the last-gen hardware got it that all the 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 shitstorm just came out on them. That's when things got really bad. And this is just shouldn't have been released on those consoles. Now they can't say that either because that would also be uh put them in a lot of legal trouble. Um but they were basically talking about that pretty as open as they could have. But I I feel like what they're saying is in this is we were so on the line with this game. We were so like we were trying to get as much done and an unrealistic, unrealistic time frame as we possibly could. And it's still, and I've said this over and over again, it's still baffling to me that they didn't just delay it again. They yeah. like I think it's so obvious they should have just delay it again. Like I can understand why a developer would want to release a game closer to holidays, because it's generally going to sell better than that. But a game like they transcend that kind of thinking, I think, or that kind of pressure. Because they can release this game in the middle of March or April, and it still would sell super well. Like and they then intended it would sell to. Again they really intended well. to release it in April. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I feel like that they didn't have to release it when they did. And, it, and it, based on everything they've said, it doesn't sound like they have any financial hardships where they needed to bring the money in because they have other sources of revenue at CD Projekt Red. They were also still selling a lot of copies of The Witcher 3, so they still had strong revenue coming in. So it just doesn't make sense from any angle. And it just, it's, I feel like the whole story is still not being told as to what happened here. There's there's some big component of this that we're not seeing. Especially considering what we're going to get into here with the Jason Trier article in a second. But like to, to be able to say we're delaying this to November, middle of November... And then as that date rolls around, they're pushing it two weeks. Like they they know they've had to delay it a couple of times for a reason. They know that it's running like shit. They know the progress that they're making and the speed at which they're making that progress. And if they're comfortable delaying it two weeks, you really think it's going to make a dent in what, I mean, it has now been what, a month and a half since launch and yeah. it's still completely unplayable still on old gen consoles. And so you knew two weeks wasn't going to make a difference. Why not just delay it more? Why not delay it to February mm-hmm. to March? It makes no sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. You and might as well not play, have delayed it two weeks. Yeah, exactly. And, and to kind of play devil's advocate for a second, um, I, I'm reminded of a tweet that Corey Barlock sent out recently. He was basically asked like, when's a good time to announce a game's release date? And he basically said like, ideally when it's, done and we know it's done and then we can announce the release date for it it's to kind of paraphrase like that's what he was saying and the reality of game development is and something that's kind of touched upon later on from adam um, bukowski's um whatever his last name is um response to jason shire's article is that these things aren't made in a linear fashion they're not made like okay guys let's all get together and make level one all right guys we finished level one let's do level two now like they're all these interlocking systems 
that start to really come together towards the end. So it is kind of hard to predict that release date when you're uh, when you're in the middle of development. In this context, it doesn't quite hold up because it was obvious that they weren't close to the end of of development on it. Um, so like, yeah, it's tough that to to know and to nail down when to release a game. And I f- I honestly just feel like marketing is one of the biggest obstacles in game development. Because you need to get the message out for your game early on. You need to get people excited about it. But that doesn't... That's like... It's not a good incentive to have in the context of video game development. And I feel like the best course of action is probably just to not talk about your game until you're at the polishing phase. And you have these interlocking systems already together and things are ironed out and then you start talking about it i feel like that would be the ideal move for any of these big projects because it just doesn't seem to work out why would they announce this game in 2012 when and then we're jumping back to the jason jason Trial article again why would they talk about this game in 2012 when they don't even really start full development for four years yeah. why would you do that why would you put that pressure on your team like that or even as an executive team even on yourself why would you do that it just doesn't make any sense it's baffling um but and i i I do want to just return to the idea though of it's really good they're communicating all of this even if it wasn't exactly what we wanted to hear this kind of transparency is more than we get from most other companies so i really do believe them that they want to make the best games in the world that they want to have open communication with their with gamers i do think that they feel bad about this i'm not really viewing this as a greedy conglomerate in the same way that i view ea and battlefront 2 microtransactions being incredibly uh an incredibly egregious overreach um i don't view this as the same thing and again going back to it something is missing here we're not getting the full story so i hope more comes of this um to compare to the Kojima situation, we still don't know what happened with Kojima. Yeah, like we are used to having that complete wall of what happens in the studio and what happens in the uh, in the, kind of the game industry as a whole. There's always that wall there. It seems like, and they're not playing into that. They are being open and communicative. So, let's move on to the next part. So this is an article from Jason Schreier at Bloomberg, Inside Cyberpunk 2077's Disastrous Rollout. Jason interviewed 20-plus current and former CDPR employees. From the start, planning was an issue. Because of the change from the third to first person, many aspects of the game engine had to be changed and were made in tandem with content, which dramatically slowed the process. I just want to, like offer an analogy here on that line really quickly imagine making a movie and then making a final cut video editing software to make that movie specifically while you're making the movie and saying oh we just did this scene and shot the scene let's add in this make sure that you add in this effect or that transition type into that video editing software and how that would be a bottleneck in the editing of that of, of that production process or I think be, like, conf- hey, we just shot this really cool scene, and I want to edit it in a certain way, build the tool to make it, and then they're like, we can't. There's no way to make that tool. And you're like, well, fuck. Mm-hmm. Now I got to go reshoot that scene in a different way. It's a lot of wasted mm-hmm. time. 
Exactly, exactly. This is a quote, direct quote from the article. One member of the team compared the process to trying to drive a train while the train um, tracks are being laid in front of you at the same time. It might have gone more smoothly if tracks, um, of tracks uh, were laid out um, months ahead of start. Botch the ending of that. Don't know why, but you get the point. <laughs> we're moving on. <laughs> That's not exactly a translation there. Anyway, um, we'll figure it out along the way, and we made The Witcher 3 were common sentiments throughout development. And although the game was announced in 2012, full development didn't start until 2016. And even then, a lot of what um, had been worked on it was in, par- in partial development prior to 2016 was just scrapped. Uh, one of the big things that was talked about in the, in the article was the E3 2018 demo. So allegedly, according to the article, most of the demo is just basically creating a vertical slice of game to show off and a lot of the interlocking systems weren't actually finished at that point and were kind of um made to work for that one specific instance of that demo rather than for the game as a whole which is why this kind of gave a false impression of what to expect from the game because it wasn't exactly the game at that moment um crunch it's just it's the same story for crunch as we always hear is that it's not mandatory crunch but you know, there's some social pressures you don't want to let down your friends because if you don't work and do this then you know your friend is going to have to stay you know two more hours to get it done and you don't want to do it to them so now you're staying 13 hours in that day so it's the, it's the common story that we hear every single time with crunch um, when the April 2020 release date was announced, developers Jason Interview said they were shocked and didn't know how the game could be completed by then. At that point, they figured 2022 seemed like a better time frame. Um, but because many features were downsized and then cut in order to make the deadline, um, they thought it might be better, but then obviously we know that didn't play out that way. I think what's interesting um, about that Jason release date, too, there was a, one of the employees said that they literally thought it was a joke. Like when they announced April 2020, they (laughs) thought it was a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Language barriers were apparently also an issue within meetings. Um, When it was announced the game had gone gold, there were so many bugs that were being discovered. These newfound bugs led to the final delay. And then finally, developers have maintained, I think this is the important part, developers um, have maintained that the bugs and glitches can be fixed. They're not necessarily worried about fixing them. It's just the time to fix them. Yeah. So, a lot there. One more thing, really quickly, before we get into Adam um, um, Badowski's response, that that the that Jason tweeted out some additional things he couldn't include in the article, and this is, I think, an important one: issues of wasted development. So, for example, if a certain shader or certain tool was needed for part of the game, the developer working on that part of the game would just make that tool in the moment and not really know if someone else in the company had made that same exact tool or a very similar tool they could have utilized. So rather than saving time, they would just make it waste time. And then you had a duplication of something that might not have been necessary. It's just not efficient. It's just not efficient communication. It's not efficient coding. Um, And I think the context of that was that like they had scaled up from 240 people on the Witcher three to over 500 people on this. And they scaled yeah. up so quickly, they didn't know how to communicate. They didn't know how to sync. They didn't know how to manage that many people growing so quickly. And this is one of the things that happens. Like, oh, there are 500 people here? Well, I know I need this thing. I don't know how to efficiently talk to all 500 of these people and find out if someone else has already done it. I'll probably just go ahead and do it myself. And then it turns out several people are doing the same work at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's kind of the vibe I've got through the whole story is it feels like it was just a chaotic, hectic mess the entire time of like, ah, we'll worry about that later. We'll figure that later on. We're going to make this great game. It's going to be fine. But just like, ah, uh, we don't really know what we're doing. We're, we're running around with our heads cut off right now. But like, we're going to finish this game. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. The Witcher 3 was great. Um, we can make this great too. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, was there anything in this article that necessarily surprised you? Because to me, it wasn't really that surprising, all these things. It's a very common story, it feels like, nowadays. Yeah, everything in here, I think we have probably mentioned once or twice or ten times on this podcast. <laughs> uh, whether yeah. it be about cyberpunk or about just games in general and crunch and, and developer environments. But um, I think what was probably surprising to me is that they were they announced this game in 2012 and didn't actually start developing it until 2016. When this game came out, like we were we had been talking this game's been in development for 8 years. It's going to be this huge mm-hmm. ambitious thing. They've been working on it for so long. I mean, it's got to work, right? It's got to be great. And then when it came out and crashed, we were like, this has been in development for 8 years and they still couldn't get it right. What? And so like that was surprising me. Yeah. It was like, "Oh, that's why, I guess. You know, 4 years of nothing happening on it." Well, it's like they were working on it kind of like there was still a team like dedicated like a smaller team that was was working on the witcher 3 there's still people like working on it and then it's just like no we're not really doing any of that we're just restarting it and starting over again so it's like things happen but it, then it amounted to nothing because they decided to restart and what kind of complete lack of efficiency is that to say that we're gonna take four years of work and just eh, just get rid of it it just seems like a strange way to... I don't think it's actually that uncommon, but it feels very strange to me that it would handle that way. And the interesting thing, too, is the E3 2018 demo. I really don't understand, outside of marketing, why these demos have to be made. I get for marketing purposes why it has to be made, but it feels like it just sets up for failure more than anything. I mean, how many times have we seen, this is what the game looked like at release, but this is how much better it looked in at E3 two years ago. And like, how many times have we seen that? Just to kind of get the idea at this point of, maybe it's not a good idea to be showing that off. And the one of the things Adam talks about here in a second that we'll talk about is that like, it's a vertical slice and it's not, nothing ends up being the same or as good or identical as to what the vertical slice ends up being, just the nature of game development. But it's like, Okay, show us a slice. You showed us a 45-minute demo of this game. Show us a three- to five-minute yeah. encounter. or a, a. You showed us so much of this game, unbroken. Why? Why did you need to yeah. make a 45-minute playable version of this game that you knew was going to be a waste and not representative of the final product? That's where I feel mm-hmm. like the yeah. biggest waste of, of employee time and development uh, was had, is that creating this this enormous stupid long demo that sure everyone in the world watched a hundred times and got really excited about, but you're shooting yourself in the foot and you're spending so much time on something that's not going to be viable or work towards your your final goals. And that's, that's dumb. That's really dumb. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like making a movie, for example, like when a movie's being made, they'll do test footage at the beginning to kind of figure out what the aesthetic and how the game is going to look or how the movie's going to look and that kind of stuff. They'll do test footage like that. How often do they show that test footage for audiences to see outside of like a focus group, maybe, but like to a general you know population as like a trailer? Oh, this is what you can expect from a movie based on your test footage. Almost never. I, I don't think I've ever seen that, actually. In special features. I can't... In special features, that's like after the fact. That's not like uses like promotional. I guess you could say things like like seeing Batman's suit for the Robert Pattinson Batman, but I don't even think that would count. That's not the same thing. That's just promotional. Like, it's just a promotional video. It's not even... Te- maybe, maybe it's just footage. I don't know. But 
it just it's just a weird practice that you can say well it's the video game industry it's different it is different it's harder to make a game so why waste those resources to do that and especially like when i look back at that demo and like there's a scene where you go to um, victor we don't know what's victor at the time we were just told this is a ripper doc who you will go see to get upgrades and you'll be seeing many of them throughout the game and it gives you this impression of like oh they're all going to be like this no they're not because they made that one moment and that's not what they were able to do for the rest of the game. But now people were upset because they thought that seeing a Ripper doc was going to be like that. And you're going to have a conversation about the Yankees, but in the cyberpunk world and talking baseball and stuff and random shooting the shit with your Ripper doc before you get an implant in based on this slice that they showed you that was never actually really a part of the game. Now, obviously, they took parts of that game or that demo and added it to the game like every part of that game or the demo for the most part like the major things like the um the going to um rescue someone from that um that apartment building like that's a level you do in the game that conversation with with victor really does happen in the game but still why show it if you know things can change right afterwards and as you like, mentioned just, though you have to yeah. build separate systems for this vertical slice than you do for the rest of the game like they had to I'm sure rig and shoehorn things into this engine to make it run specifically like they wanted to in that thing that aren't going to be able to support the entire game. So they have to basically do that work twice and it's not worth it. Yeah. It's not worth it. Yeah. So it's good that we know all this stuff, but I feel like I, my hope is that all this is kind of used as examples of how to make the industry better going forward. And get away from some of these practices because it's not – this isn't just CD Projekt Red. CD Projekt Red just happened to fall on their face more so than other teams that do the same exact thing. So anyway, um, the head of um, CD um, of the studio CDPR, Adam um, Badowski, responded to Jason Schreier, and I think he made some good points. So one thing we already kind of talked about, um, the fake demo portion um, – he said that games are not made in a linear fashion. A vertical slice of a game shown at trade shows will never be 100% representative of the game released later. We just talked about that. Um, some aspects will make it. Others will be cut. That's the nature of the creative process. Um, Adam maintains that they shipped a 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10 PC gaming experience, but acknowledges the console release wasn't up to par, but he doesn't consider that disastrous. Um, he talks about... <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, <laughs> being removed from the PlayStation Store, not being able to be purchased, not running, yeah. getting a four out of ten—that's not disastrous. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, most of the staff, in quotes, most of the staff. Uh, this is a direct quote from Adam. It says, you've talked with 20 people, some being ex-employees, only one of whom is not anonymous. I wouldn't call that most of what the over 500 people staffed um, openly said about what you claim. Um, language barrier. People are going to speak their native language. That's the reality of a multilingual working environment. In meetings, everything was in English. And then uh, that's what he said. Jason then responded. He said that he regrets publishing the language barrier aspect of the story. It wasn't a huge factor in Cyberpunk's end product. He notices that Adam ignored the crunch aspect um, of the Bloomberg article. And then if Adam ever wants to talk, Jason will be happy to de uh, continue discussing. Yeah, I don't think there's... I, we've touched on... on most of what he had to say there. Um, yeah. But what's interesting is that Jason had specifically said, hey, I reached out to them for comment, letting them know I was going to run this article on Wednesday, and nobody reached out, nobody came back, and then suddenly I released this article, and he's got all these things to say. He's like, hey, talk to me beforehand. Let's get the facts straight before we go into it. But I don't mm -hmm. know. You know, 20-plus people at a company of 500, 
if they were all saying the same thing, like I feel like that's pretty representative. They also can share secondhand accounts of what other people are saying, general atmosphere. I feel like that's if 20 people and their experience of, of everything else going on around them is is negative, I feel like that's still that's still a very big issue. If what they're bringing up I, I consistently think, is still an issue, it's a representative sample, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that Adam, I, I don't, I, I, I kind of see where Adam's coming from because, and I think he should have elaborated more on the ex-employees part of it. I mean, there are employees that that Jason interviewed where, I mean, literally the quote is, "I heard from someone else who's at the studio right now that this is what is is going on," and I mean, without getting into too many specifics, but like I've been in a work environment where. I thought things were really, really bad and no one else seemed to, but I was a loud mouth about it and I would have gone to a reporter and been like, we don't believe what's fucking going on over here. And people I would work with would have been like, oh yeah, hold on, we acknowledge that those are problems, but you're really making a bigger deal out of yeah. it than <laughs> everyone else on, on the team. And I feel like it it's tough where like 20 people out of 100 can absolutely be a representative sample, but at the same time, those 20 people were also the ones who were most likely to talk to a journalist in the first place, which means that they are probably more likely to be on that negative side of things. Whereas people who maybe can feel some of that pressure as well, um, aren't going to talk to a journalist because they're like, well, the greater team here, I'm not going to like fuck them over and talk to a journalist about this. I just want to make the game and, and continue doing it. It actually reminded me of, um, so I watched the Raising Kratos documentary on YouTube, and then which is about God of War's development. And then I watched Grounded, which is basically the same thing, but for Last of Us. And there was one part that I'm honestly amazed has not come up. Um, and it's three employees of Naughty Dog specifically talking about crunch. And they all say, and again, this is a representative sample on the opposite end of the spectrum, but they all said, we love crunch because we like that focus that we get when it's the only thing you're thinking about and it's consuming it's like it, it's like that flow state yeah that you get into and and they liked it that person's never going to talk to Jason Schreier and say no 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 Jason I love crunch I don't think that person's going to talk to Jason so like it's I feel like there're two examples of like one is skewing in that grounded documentary of a positive view on it and then the people who talk to journalists are probably going to skew on the on the negative portion of it because they're upset for in this case justifiable reasons i'm not saying they shouldn't be upset they absolutely should be upset um th- that that kind of uh frustration of the work environment and wanting to talk to anyone about it and wanting things to change i think i can see the person wanting to talk to a journalist i think that makes sense yeah. so but yeah um at the end of the day um it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot, and I hope, I hope for the best outcomes of, of all of this because yeah. there are definitely problems that need to be resolved, and the answers uh, happen in the discourse. Anything Ooh. else you want to add? Let's, no, let's move on to this wall of fetch quests. Yeah, we have a lot of fetch quests this week. So, um, first fetch quest is the remastered Mass Effect trilogy might be out in March, says Jordan Devore, Destructoid. Hey. Retailers in Singapore hey. and Indonesia leaked a March 12th release date. Um, I think that makes sense. Could be. That would be cool. Just in time for maybe a spring barf? Who knows? Ooh, yeah. Hogwarts Legacy delayed to 2022, uh, says Ian Walker at Kutaku. Chad, let's take a moment of silence for, you. for Hogwarts Legacy in 2021. Thank you. That was very kind. <laughs> I, I mean, obviously, no- yes, delay that we just talked about Cyberpunk releasing too early. Obviously, yeah. delay the game. 
I was so looking forward to this, though. Yeah. You know, one thing I feel like we've been talking about, but I, and I, but I feel like we're starting to see this in the community now, is not giving developers a hard time for delaying. I think Cyberpunk, we did see a lot of complaining about their, mm. their delays. But I feel like there's been less and less of like, oh, they're delaying this game. Like, I didn't really hear a lot of backlash of this. I just heard people kind of going, oh, okay, it's coming out in 2020. I still can't wait to play it. Which I'm like, good. Don't be mad at them. Let them delay yes. the game. <laughs> Speaking of delay, Super Nintendo World opening indefinitely delayed, says Daniel uh, Robson at IGN, which is due to surprising equipment failures. Just kidding, it's COVID. It's always COVID. <laughs> they thought they were going to open up in three weeks, and we were getting 4,000 deaths. Well, technically, that's, that's in the U.S. only, right? 4,000 deaths a day. But still, they thought they were yeah. going to open up. You idiots. <laughs> With people slapping their wrists against things and touching yeah. like all the same like objects, like, it's a horrible and as small idea. Yeah, as that that area looked in Universal Studios in Japan, yeah, yeah, yeah. right, not a good idea. Uh, Epic Game takes legal action against Apple and Google in the UK, according to James Bachelor at GamesIndustry.biz. It's literally just the same thing, but in the UK. Jesus Christ. I was very, weird, I literally, as I was reading through these notes and you wrote same shit, different country, Papa John's, I laughed out loud. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Thank you. Uh, Square Enix files uh, new Final Fantasy trademarks. This is from Liana Rupert at Game Informer. So basically they trademarked Ever Crisis, the Shinra logo, and the First Soldier. Um, all those were um, trademarked, and people are speculating that it's related to Crisis Core, Final Fantasy VII, tying into the remakes of Final Fantasy VII. I'm curious about your thoughts on this. Did you play Crisis Core? I did. For okay. the next 20 seconds, very minor spoilers for Final Fantasy VII Remake. This is your I warning. I watched the ending on YouTube. I, I was very curious at like what the differences were, so I, I feel like I'm... Uh, yes, I did play Crisis Core. It was a dope game. It's obviously about Zack and and how he was the original soldier. Cloud got his sword from him, et cetera, et cetera. But in Final Fantasy VII Remake, um, Zack comes back in the timeline in a different way. And so that leads a lot of us to be like, whoa, what is his role going to be in this? And so interesting. Crisis, obviously, Crisis Core, Ever Crisis, the first soldier. It looks Captain like Zack might have a... Captain America, right? It might have a... Um, <laughs> a bigger role to play than he did previously and that's exciting i have uh, that's what i'm most excited for about final fantasy 7 remake is that i literally have no idea what's coming next even though i've played the game i'm so excited i watched a video from um what culture games on it and he guided like a 15 20 minute breakdown of like why this is different but how it's like kind of playing into the same things but then also making you wonder if it could be different or not and i'm like that's actually really cool yeah. like how they they do that um, that I guess I was actually someone who, with, I'm not like a huge Final Fantasy fan. I haven't finished the game, but I'm not like yeah. I don't I don't mind that I was spoiled on it. I have to admit that sounded really cool, and I can see that being a really interesting approach to a remake. No, no spoilers here, but like Sephiroth's role throughout Final Fantasy VII Remake compared to his same role in the original game up to that point is just like the fuck is going on. This is so freaking cool. <laughs> According to Sony, Uncharted movie and Last of Us HBO show is just the beginning. For this, Great. that's from Zarmenikon at PlayStation Lifestyle. Can't wait to see whether the beginning's good or not. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, if it is just the HBO's, beginning, it's bad. I don't want anymore. <laughs> HBO's The Last of Us loses Chernobyl director 
hires Beanpole filmmaker as replacement. It says Ben Pearson or Pearson at uh, Slash Films. Um, I think this is worth mentioning. The Chernobyl writer Craig Mazin, the reason everyone is excited about the Chernobyl creator being involved in the project is still there. This isn't really a huge blow, I don't think. I think it's going to be fine. And from um, what I was reading, Craig, it's just the director of the pilot episode. Yeah, like the so the new the new filmmaker, the Russian guy from Beanpole. Like he's just he's just coming to direct the pilot. The, and the guy that they lost was just for the pilot. The rest of it's all this, like going on as planned. And it's been it's not like it's they're filming a pilot and hoping HBO picks it up. No, HBO's ordered a full season already, so they've got directors lined up for the rest of the season. Yeah, this is not a big deal at all, but it makes a great headline and lots of it advertising does. revenue. <laughs> Sucker Punch job listing hints at possible Ghost of Tsushima 2 says Chris Carter Destructoid. Usually when I see these job listing ones, I'm like, oh, brother, here's someone inferring a lot based on a job listing. But it literally says in the job listing that you must have played um, Ghost of Tsushima in order to be required or in order to work on this project and you have to have like a deep understanding of their combat system so yeah i think it's fair to say they're working on ghost probably. of shima 2 probably yeah yeah we need you to have a deep understanding of ghost of shima's combat system because we're making a great sly cooper game and we're gonna return <laughs> to that bayonetta 3 information hopefully on the way says its director this is from silicon era's writer benjamin maltby um, basically just more information's coming this year this gives me uh, what is this story and why is he talking because he says more information <laughs> is maybe coming in the next 11 months you might see it in 11 months and then the article says <laughs> Bayonetta 3 information hopefully coming says the director like the director doesn't even know whether the information's coming or not like what the fuck why is this an article <laughs> I think I was predicting that Bayonetta 3 is going to come out this year and this doesn't give me a lot of confidence that <laughs> It is. Yeah. It's not coming out this year if we might maybe hear more information. Yeah. I feel like they'd be like, the game's coming out this year. Oh, God, I hope we talk about it sometime before its launch. <laughs> and it like, doesn't it even just, sound like, like it's like e dodging no a question. Fanfare. Like, hey, when's Bayonetta 3? I don't know. Maybe you'll hear more about it this year. It's not even that kind of thing. It's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm hopefully you get to hear some stuff. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Resident Evil Showcase will include new village and franchise information, I think is what I left out there. Um, it says uh, Kazuma um, Hashimoto from Silicon Era. And this is going to air on Thursday at 2 p.m. Um, Pacific time, which would be this, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah, this reminds me, I got an email to sign up for some kind of early access beta for Resident Evil. Um, oh, I cool. remember to do that. You should do that and then not be allowed to talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> Chad actually already has accepted it. He's played the whole game already. You just can't it's tell true. you. I also Damn, played Resident I broke Evil the NDA, Town. not you. <laughs> Resident Evil Town's the successor to Village. <laughs> <laughs> and then just wait till you see Resident Evil City. Oh, there's going to be like a horrible ripoff called Citizen Bad Town. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and that is all the fetch quests for this week that was a Woo! lot of stuff this week it was, that was it was a lot of meaty stuff big old lots meat. of meat where's the beef in this episode where's the cream lots of beef filling? in this episode <laughs> chad uh what's going on with this thing called game on game show game on game show the game on our gaming show we play a game called game on the gaming show on our game show game 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 is that what you're referring to yeah something along those lines i don't oh, even heard about nice. it before we should try Hold it. In. We are continuing our trend of having brand new games we've never played before. 
Again Ooh, this week. I like the brand new games. This is good. Yeah. New games. This one is an homage to a Ryan Reynolds show called Two Games, a Book, and a Piece of Shit. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the Ryan Reynolds show being Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place. Um, I never even heard of that before. You haven't? That was like his, his, no, I haven't. his big thing that like the first thing he did before Van Wilder and all that kind of stuff. He was on Two Guys, a Girl, and Pizza Place. Oh. I knew Van Wilder. I thought that was his big start. I mean, that was what really, that's where the Ryan Reynolds character came out that he then continued for the rest of his career. But um, yeah, Two Guys, A Girl, and a Pizza Place is where he had a, a nobody role on a is nobody like, show. Is it like Freaks and Geeks? But then like 40-year-old versions really what started the Judd Apatow troupe is becoming huge. I can't speak to it because I never watched Two Guys, A Girl, and a Pizza Place. So I don't know. And I watched one episode okay. of Freaks and Geeks, even though there are only like, what, four or something like that? I don't know. Yeah, it was not very long. So two games, a book, and a piece of shit. This is related to our main quest today, where we talked about Star Wars finally being able to branch out to other game developers. Um, and so I have five rounds. There are a lot of things in the Star Wars universe. There are a lot of games. There are a lot of books that were made. And I made up a lot of pieces of shit in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> so Holden, in each of these five rounds... I'm going to name four things. Two of them are games. One of them is a Star Wars book. And one of them is a piece of shit I made up. And it's just up to you to decipher <laughs> which one is which. I'm going to get a note out so I can write these down. Okay, okay. You will get just one point for each one you label correctly. That's okay. the game. So a total of 20 possible points. Let's do it. I'm ready. Round number one. The properties are, or the, the items that we're, we're deciding between are Star Wars Demolition, Star Wars Dark Squadron, Star Wars Flight of the Falcon, Star Wars Thrawn Alliances. Two of those are books, one of them, I'm sorry, two of those are games, one of them's a book, and one of them a piece of shit I made up. Which is which? Okay, so two books, one game, piece of shit. No, sorry. Two games, a book, and a piece of okay. shit. I'm just writing it at the top. That way I don't forget that. Two games, one book, one POS. Correct. All right. So I'm going to say that... All right, Thrawn Alliances, that's got to be a book. Okay. That one's got to be a book. Um, Flight of the Falcon sounds like it could be a book. Dark Squadron sounds like a game, and Demolition sounds like a game. So I'm not right about one of those, or all of them. <laughs> Who knows? And remember, two games, one book, one piece of shit. Yeah. And I won't tell you what so you got right until books. you finalize your, your full response. Yeah. Flight of the Falcon, I thought was the book, but then Thrawn Alliances, I'm like, no, Thrawn was a really big part of the book, so I'm feeling like it's going to be some Thrawn is the book. My brother should be here for it because he knows everything about Star Wars. I'm going to just text him and be like, hey, do you know about these properties? <laughs> we Wait, do not have lifelines really in this game. Yeah. <laughs> it would take too long, too. It would just be me, like, treading water for a while, being like, hmm, demolition is spelled <laughs> D-E-M-O-L-I. <laughs> All right, demolition, I feel like... I've never heard of a game called demolition before. I don't think they name a book demolition, so I'm, I think that's going to be the POS. Which would mean Dark Squadron and Flight of the Falcon are games. But then I don't think Flight of the Falcon would be a name either. I, I'm very confident Dark Squadron's a game. Okay. 
So you have right uh, now of the two demolition of Falcon, Alliance, Dark Squadron, a game, right? Yeah. Okay. Um. So either Flight of the Falcon's a game or Demolition's a game. Demolition sounds more like a game, but I don't. I've never heard of a game named that before. I also I haven't heard of a game named Flight of the Falcon either. Okay, I'm gonna say Flight of the Falcon is the is the piece of shit. Demolition is the game. Okay. So Demolition's a game. Dark Squadron's a game. Flight of the Falcon's a piece of shit. Thrawn Alliance is a book. Okay. You have two points this round, Holden. You were correct that Star Wars Demolition is a game. Uh, It is a 2000 game that came on Dreamcast and PS, PlayStation. Uh, Dark Squadron is the piece of shit. I made that up. That's a good name. That's a really good name. Thank you. Rogue Squadron and Dark Fate. Mash those two together. (laughs) (laughs) Star Wars Flight of the Falcon is a game. And fuck, I forgot to write down what system and year that was. But it is a game. Star Wars Flight of the Falcon is a game. And the book was Star Wars Thrawn Alliance. Very good. Boom. Round number two. So yeah, you got two points that time. Round number two. Two points that time. Boom. Uh, Star Wars Combat Within. Star Wars Attack on the Death Star. Star Wars Yoda Stories. Star Wars Join the Resistance Attack on Starkiller Base. Yoda Stories and then Starkiller Stories? Uh, Star Wars Yoda Stories. Star Wars mm-hmm. Join the Resistance Attack on Starkiller Base. Two of those are games. One of them is a book. One of them is a piece of shit. Well, Join the Resistance Attack on Starkiller Base can't be a game because that would have been made in EA's time frame and it certainly didn't happen. So that's not a game. That's a book. Yoda stories, I'm going to say that's the POS. An attack on Death Star and combat with Enter the Games. All right. The piece of shit was Star Wars Combat Within. So you missed a point on that You're really good at naming Star Wars stuff because I'm like, (laughs) that one's got to be Star Wars. That's a very Star Wars. Uh, That was um, the uh, Prince of Persia Warrior Within, but then I co-opted it for star wars uh <laughs> which means i got two wrong at the minimum at this point correct yes yeah, so you, you got, one wrong, you got you two, two correct wrong. uh yeah. star wars attack on the death star is a 1991 game from on pc 9801 and the x68000 whatever the fuck those were <laughs> star wars yoda stories was a 1990 game boy color game and windows game <laughs> <laughs> and then you were correct Star Wars Join the Resistance Attack on Starkiller Base is the second installment in the Star Wars Join the Resistance uh, saga so you got that correct as the book round number three our properties are Star Wars Anakin Speedway Star Wars Bloodline Star Wars Padawan Escape and Star Wars Grievous Getaway Okay. Two um, games, a book, and a piece of shit. Bloodlines, you, you've had this practice of... It is singular bloodline. other things. Bloodline, yeah. I feel like that's a reference to Assassin's Creed Bloodlines. So I'm going to say that one's the POS. And you okay. co-opted that name for it. Because it also works very well for Star Wars. Because it's about family and bloodlines. It's about Fast and Furious family. <laughs> it's about Fast and Furious family. It's all Anakin about family, Speedway? Tom. <laughs> Anakin Speedway? Anakin Speedway? That sounds like 
again. But would they have made Pod Racer and Anakin Speedway as games? It's impossible to know. It's impossible to know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Grievous Getaway is the book. And Padawan Escape is a game. I feel like this is my worst round yet. So you said Grievous Getaway is a book. Padawan Escape is a game. Star Wars Bloodlines Mm -hmm. a piece of shit. Star Wars Anakin Speedway is a game. Yeah. You got one out of four, Holden. Interesting. Okay. Star Wars Anakin Speedway was an educational game on PC. (laughs) Star Wars Bloodline is a 2016 book. Star Wars Padawan Escape is a thing that I made up. It's a piece of shit. And Star Wars Grievous Getaway is a 2005 mobile game. That's before iPhones existed. So it's an old school piece of shit game. But it is still a game. So it's basically not a game. Right. <laughs> it was on the Engage, wasn't it? It was on the Engage. I thought it was on the Engage. Round number four. Second to last round. Our items are Star Wars, The Last Jedi, Bomber Command. Star Wars, Garbage Masher. Star Wars. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Jedi, Last Jedi, what was the Last Jedi? Star Wars, The Last Jedi, Bomber Command. <laughs> Star Wars, Garbage Masher. Star Wars, Masters of Terrace Star Wars, Dooku's Demise, Bloodlines. Okay. feel like there's some tricky ones in there because like bloodlines want me to think that's a book this one is plural bloodlines the previous one was singular bloodline this one's bloodlines i'm gonna maintain that um mm, garbage master is just like i i feel like that is something because I think it's the obvious one to stand out as the piece of shit. Because, like, who names a book or a game Garbage Mash? It's impossible to <laughs> But then you laughed, which makes me think that, like, it really is and that exists. <laughs> they decided to make a game or a book called Garbage <laughs> Masher. But if they were to make something called Garbage Masher, I'd be amazed if it was a book. Like, can you write <laughs> us a 400-page book about garbage mashing in the Star Wars universe? We really want to tell the story of a janitor and, on Kashyyyk or something. Um... So I'm going to say that's the game, and it's like a mobile game or something like that. Last Jedi Bomber Command. That has to be a book if it is real, because, again, game, that they that's in the EA time frame. So I think that's the book. Dooku's Demise Bloodlines is the POS. Nope, that's the game. And Master of Terras Kasi is the POS. Okay, so you said Last Jedi Bomber Command is a book. Yep. Star Wars Garbage Masher is a game. Yes. Star Wars Masters of Taros Kasi is a piece of shit. And Star Wars yep. Dooku's Demise Bloodlines is a game. Yes. You got two out of four that time, Holden. Woo! The book is, in fact, Last Jedi Bomber Command. Star Wars Garbage Masher is a 2008 Flash game on StarWars.com. Star Wars Masters of Terrascasi is a 1997 PlayStation game. And Star Wars Dooku's Demise Bloodlines is a game that I made up. It's a piece of shit. (laughs) 
Your final round, Holden. Our four items are Star Wars, Adventures in Wild Space, The Snare. Star Wars, The New Droid Army. Star Wars, Battle Above Coruscant. Wait, wait, wait start again. What was the first one again? I'm just, I'm typing these out, so oh, gotcha, I'm gotcha, a slow yeah. typer. Star Wars, Adventures in Wild Space, The Snare. Star Wars, The New Droid Army. Star Wars, Battle Above Coruscant. Star Wars, Droid Academy. Star Wars Droid Academy, or is it Battle Droid Academy? Just Star Droid Wars Academy? Droid Academy. Just Droid Academy, okay. Two games, a book, and a piece of shit. <laughs> Adventures in Wild Space, The Snare. Could be a reference to like a snare drum, and it's a music rhythm game. <laughs> <laughs> you just play one of the singular pieces of the drum. <laughs> and you're exactly. Just like, uh, hit. Hit, hit. <laughs> Hit, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. All right, this one. This one's tougher. This one's tougher. Droid Academy. I can s- sort of see one of those Jedi Academy. That one's the. That's the POS right there. Droid Academy is the POS. Okay. Uh, the new Droid Army is going to be a. Mm, but is there a game called Star Wars The New Droid Army? I don't think so. And I don't think a game would be about one battle over Coruscant. And every mission and level in that game is a battle over Coruscant, unless it's a mobile game, which has been a lot of those. Hmm. Yeah, that's going to be a mobile game. And it's like, it's something like a, um, like a Galaga style game, like it's like you just like moving back and forth and shooting other ships that are coming towards you or something like that. That's okay. a game, and the background to it is the surface of Coruscant because you're above Coruscant, but in the perspective of the game, you're looking down on it. That's what I'm thinking there. Okay. Um, but then I don't think there's a game called Adventures in Wild Space: The Snare. I that sounds like a book to me, but then I don't think there's a game called the new droid army but i it's that's the odd one out now so we're gonna leave it on there and i can't wait to tell i can't wait for you to tell me that i didn't get all those right because i know i didn't (laughs) but that's my guess (laughs) so so to recap adventures in wild space the snare is a book or a game book a book which means the new droid army is a game battle above coruscant is a game and droid academy is a piece of shit yes correct you got all four of those correct Way to go, Holden. Boom. Boom. <laughs> I Which am means amazing. <laughs> you got two, four, five, seven, eleven out of twenty points. You got more than half Ooh. of those correct. Proud of you. More than half of them. Yeah, Star I'm Wars so the new proud Droid of myself. Army is a two thousand two Game Boy Advance game. And Battle Above okay. Coruscant is a two thousand five mobile game. So again, one of those old Boom. probably playable on a flip phone. Probably mm-hmm. you're right, Galaga style game. Yeah. That was good. Boom. Good job. Boom, boom, boom. That's it for Game on Game Show, and that is it for episode 195. Play control. Play control. (laughs) Play control. One, because it's a great game. 2019's Game of the Year, Chad Michael Ennis, trademark. The second reason is because it is this month's barf game. Backlog accomplishment with Respawn and Friends, where we play games that we should have played, our classics that we missed, etc., etc., that we feel like we want to revisit. 
Uh, you have till the end of the month to play that. We have two guests lined up to join us for that conversation. It's going to be a real jolly romp. Uh, while you're there on patreon.com slash respawn aim fire, you can go there, drop us a buck, vote on what next month's game should be, which that should probably be, that poll should be up probably this week uh, as we figure out what February will be. You can also download a bunch of dope wallpapers for your devices and uh, play with us every week on game night on Thursday nights. That's it, Holden. That's it. That's, That's it. all there is. That's all. Oh, you know what? Go listen to AAWI. Today we recorded an episode where our main topic of conversation was whether or not straight people should be allowed to portray gay or trans people in movies and TV. And it was a really amazing discussion. We had random people in the Twitch chat who who contributed personal stories as well, which is really cool. Um, so that's coming out on Thursday morning at 9 a.m. If you aren't familiar, AAWI and also with you is the other podcast from Affable Idiots. Uh, we talk about fun things. We do similar games to Game on Game Show about other shit. So go listen to that. It was a good conversation. That's it, everybody. Thank you for listening. Until next week, here's our usual sign-off. Pew, pew, pew. That's the the when when Family Guy did Star Wars and there's a guy standing in the cave and he's aiming his 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 blaster at the spaceship coming and he's going pew 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 and I laughed a lot at that.